SoundCloud wants to make it easier for you to get all of your favorite Smodco podcasts at home or on the go. Get the SoundCloud app today and you can follow and get your podcast on with your computer or smartphone. Guess what else? The podcasts are on SoundCloud before anywhere else. Go to the Google Play or Apple App Store and get your free app and SoundCloud account today. Geek News Reviews, Commentary, not just another podcast, on the Ordinary the Big Ball Broadcast. Insert random joke here. Now here comes your host, Kyle A. Barrett of the World Steve. Welcome to the Big Ball Broadcast, Episode 9. My name is Kyle A. Barrett. I'm an anime and video game voice actor here on the West Coast. And your co-host from the East Coast of the World Steve. I am a musician and amateur historian. And what we do here is talk geek, all things geeky, and then sometimes it's random too, like any other podcast here on Smartco Internet Radio. Um, how's your week been going, sir? You know, this is the first time in a long time I don't feel sick. I actually feel pretty damn good right now, so I'll go with that. So there, there have been like nasty strains of flu going out. Like they say that, okay, if you got a flu shot this year, it really didn't matter at all because the new strain is just a different new bug that didn't matter. It's, uh, it's killing people this year. It's killing a lot of people. I guess the flu kills people every year, but the numbers are enough where the CDC is actually a little concerned. And I was surprised. Uh, they released that information about the flu vaccine just before flu season broke that it would be a different strain this year and it was kind of pointless to get the flu shot. So my biggest question is, when are they going to get the current flu shot on the market? Because damn, shit getting scary. Dude, they're going to have that ready in like 10 years and then like it'll be 10 strains ahead and then the CDC will just literally have to worry about the zombie apocalypse, I'm pretty sure. I tout myself as an amateur historian. You still like to refer to me as a conspiracy theorist. But, um, <laughs> I do... I do wonder if the CDC themselves do have something to do with the current strain of flu out there. Ooh, yes. Population control. Or, you know, just taking money out of your wallet because now we have to come up with a new vaccine. So we need billions of dollars to do research and and distribute this vaccine. And then you have to go and bill your HMO for your flu shot. So billions. Yay. (laughs) I'm checking out our chat window here. See, every Tuesday night we do a live audio stream. And if you follow at BB Broadcast, we'll, we'll link you to the page there so you can actually join a chat room and hear us as we record each new show. Uh, we got some kind folks here already and, uh, Venom34 in the chat says, I'm probably one of the only English people, I'm guessing. So I type back and go, we're all English here. And he goes, I meant from England, but yeah. <laughs> like, oh, I totally went somewhere else. I don't know why I was like, why did I think he meant like we were like a foreign podcast or something? We're pretty foreign, all right. Right now, I'm kind of on another planet of the world, Steve. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, we could talk with a British accent, I suppose. Can you do accents at all, Steve? I don't know. Not at all. Not at all. And, you know, it's kind of weird. I live in New England, and I don't even do the New England accent. So I'll leave the accents to you, and that way you get all the hate mail. (laughs) Yeah, we haven't got any email yet. So you guys should write to us at the Big Ball Broadcast at gmail.com because our inbox is like, you know, I hear dust in the wind, you know, literally I'm hearing that song playing as I, as I log in and go, no one knows we exist or no one cares or we're so awesome that no one wants to add anything to it. I don't know which one of those. I'm going with option C. Absolutely. 100% option C. We're just so awesome. People like, you know what? Keep on keeping on. (laughs) Yeah. Keep on keeping on. Uh, 
what was I flailing through Twitter trying to find shit to talk about? Oh, uh, this is this is kind of interesting. John Carpenter has given his blessing for the latest remake of Escape from New York over at Fox. That's where it's currently sitting now. It's been in limbo. All these various reboots and possibilities, rumors and 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 incarnations just going left and right everywhere, but absolutely getting nowhere in the end. Uh, but now. John Carpenter is said like he will be on board as an executive producer and exerting creative influence. Now, I don't know uh, if that's going to be a good thing or a bad thing, because the last time he exerted creative influence or was executive producing a remake of his own stuff was The Fog, which is one of the lowest rated uh, movies on Rotten Tomatoes. I never even saw it. I had no desire to see it. And um, this is one of those movies that I think is just best left alone. I agree. I actually loved Escape from New York, the original 80s classic. Um, as we talked about, I believe last episode, cable TV, we ran a lot of those movies and Escape from New York was one of them along with, uh, Cameron's original Terminator film. So, uh, growing up, I had a lot of praise for both of those films. Admittedly, neither really hold up nowadays, but because Escape from New York doesn't hold up, I, I really agree with you, Kyle. I don't think it's something that needs to be modernized and, and rebooted. Uh, it, it was good for its time. I think it would kind of come off as maybe even a little lazy nowadays compared to some of the other films coming out. Yeah. I mean, it, it's totally eighties. I mean, the synth score and, you know, the tech, obviously the fact that, you know, we're, we're well past the year that the movie's set, I think is what set in like 97 or something like that. Like, Ooh, it's so distant future. You know, I'm curious. I'm going to look that up now to find out when it takes place, but we can watch <laughs> other things in the meantime. Yeah, in, in the meantime, they've uh, they've they've talked names bandied about that possibly would be in the Snake Plissken role, or like Chris Hemsworth, Charlie Hunnam, J- uh, Gerard Butler, Jeremy Renner. I mean, I guess they do okay, but you know, to me, there's one Snake Plissken, and that's Kurt Russell. God damn it! I agree, and I don't really think he'd be maybe too old to even have him come back. I think that might be pretty cool. Maybe do like. Uh the Ant-Man's doing and have the original incarnation of that character appear and then kind of pass the mantle to the next in line. But um, yeah, Escape from New York in the film, the events take place in 1998. So it's quite a ways off. <laughs> it's fun to watch those, those retro sci-fi movies, you know, uh, even like things to come from like 1936 and their idea of the distant future is, you know, like 1960 something, maybe. It's well, this is amazing. the year. The future from Back to the Future takes place, and I know the internet's been waiting a very long time for this. Uh, we don't have hoverboards or, or anything of the like, but I guess Nike is actually on track to release the auto lacing sneakers, so I guess that's kind of cool. I, I know they're doing it intentionally because of the film, but I'm just really nervous about what kind of price point those things are going to have attached to them. Yeah, 2015, yeah, if you looked in your Facebook feed, right around New Year's week, you kept on seeing the picture of um, Biff's son, I guess, or or was that Griff? I don't know, from 2015 and his his band of thugs, and it looks so 80s, which is really, really funny, but it's set now. It's like, all right, we're going to get Jaws 38, and we're going to get self-lacing shoes, and we're going to be able to have flying cars. Oh, Griff, says Robert J. in the chat. Thank you. I knew it wasn't Biff himself. Oh, Robert J. also said, uh, he missed our last show and was listened, uh, and he listened to it. 
probably on Smodco, thank you. Or you can subscribe on iTunes, plug, plug. And I was surprised to hear that we don't like Game of Thrones. I don't think either of us said we don't like Game of Thrones. We just don't watch Game of Thrones. Right, and I, I think that's really what it is. Uh, there's a lot of things I don't have an opinion about because I just don't watch them, and I know for shame some geek I am, but... It's hard to keep up with everything. You can't watch everything. So I think everybody just finds their new little pocket, settles in on that. And that's the stuff we can really rant about. Yeah. I mean, I got to set time still to, to catch up with Agent Carter. I haven't seen that. I'm behind on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I'm behind on The Flash, behind on Arrow. Still, I don't know what episode I'll ever be able to, to say that I caught up with everything because I have absolutely nothing to do and all this time and I, my attention can actually stay focused on, on a binge watching. Now for me, you know, um, it's a little problematic because I don't know if you've realized across your social media, but Agent Carter has got tremendously positive feedback. It's just really, really a big deal. People are loving it. The empowerment of a, a female lead and all that. Um, so for me, having not seen it yet, and like you, I have every intention of watching it. I'm just hoping that this flood of really positive reviews is going to kind of skew me going in, and especially me. I might end up being relatively underwhelmed. Yeah, because when something gets hyped, I think I think it's fair for anyone to say that they're underwhelmed. You go in, and the expectation bar is so high. So you just got to learn to go in and just say, this is probably going to not be that good. And then it always sounds better to go, all right, it's still not the greatest thing in the world, but it is a lot better than I thought it would be, which is still a, comp- a compliment. So I'm going in with this overwhelmingly positive attitude, and I hope it doesn't disappoint. And uh, you know, as I've said, it's something I do want to catch out, catch up on. I want to check out the whole uh, the whole series. Speaking of whole series, I'm going to jump right into this. Um, we got the announcement last week about Daredevil coming to Netflix, and everybody was really excited about that. We we have the release date for that. Well, what's coming next? And, and people have been throwing around this, a.k.a. Jessica Jones. Maybe this will be the next one to follow up with Daredevil. I guess it was never talked about before, or I never thought about it too much in advance. But I didn't realize until uh, today, actually. These shows are going to be pretty spaced apart. And IGN got to speak with uh, Ted, and I'm sorry, Ted, I can't pronounce your last name, uh, who is the chief content officer for Netflix. And he stated that these shows are coming out eight to 15 months apart. So you're going to get Daredevil now. And then probably a good year from now is when they're going to release their next uh, series, which is probably going to be the CK, Jessica Jones. Then you have Luke Cage and whatever else is coming out. But I didn't realize it was looking at a five-year release timeline as opposed to kind of all coming out if not sequentially, you know, kind of together or overlapping. Yeah. I've seen like, like screen grabs of, of the daredevil one and he, he doesn't really look like daredevil much. He reminds me of Wesley in, uh, the princess bride, Carrie Elwes character. <laughs> oh, same here. But what I do dig about the costume right from the go is there's no eye holes or no eye slits, which of course a blind character wouldn't need. So kind of initially just on that, I, I dug that premise. So I'd like to see where they're going with that going forward. Yeah, I think in terms of expectations, people need to also remember that, you know, a TV budget versus a movie budget, you know, the Marvel Cinematic Universe obviously is going to look cooler, feel more grandiose and everything. And, and S.H.I.E.L.D. has some some really good stuff. But again, it's a TV show. 
And I'm sure Agent Carter has those, you know, same restrictions and, and whatnot. But, you know, it's a great opportunity for writers and, and creators to, to think outside the box and come up with something that can still feel epic or at least, you know, entrench these characters with, with something that's a little bit larger than life that, you know, whatever their secret formula is to the success of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, it's obviously working with the, with the ratings for the TV side of it. And now with Netflix becoming a new network, in the same vein as Amazon is and all these other things. And you kind of forced me immediately into another segue because you mentioned how there was certainly a discernible feel and budget from a uh, cinematic universe to the television universe. Now, what CW is announcing now on the heels of Arrow and uh, Flash is DC's Vixen. Now, I'm not familiar with Vixen at all. I'm, I don't understand uh, how big into the DT, DC continuity Vixen is, but she's a, a female character, first and foremost, originally from Africa, and her parents were killed by local greed, corruption, and wanting violence. But uh, the orphan, Mari, refuses to succumb to the terror surrounding her, inheriting her family's Tantu totem, Mary can access the powers of animals, anything super-strength gorillas to the speed of a cheetah. And as Viction, she fights valiantly to protect the world from the threat, um, from, like those that claimed her family. Now, a lot of the justification a lot of people are uh, online are, are putting behind this is that you really couldn't pull off that type of uh, superhero bag of tricks in even a TV show. It would be too expensive, uh, way not cost-effective. So to do it animated would help them spare some of those costs. But what's really interesting is this animated series, which I believe is going to exist for eight or so episodes, is actually going to cross over with the television series of Flash and Arrow. Whoa. Okay, that that's a new bag there. I guess the, the leads from Flash and Arrow, not just the leads, but I guess other associated characters, they're actually going to be recording their voices for their insertion into this animated series. Oh, all right. Yeah, yeah. When I first heard uh, Vixen, and I thought of the 80s hair band, uh, the the chick band. They're living on the edge of a broken heart, you know. Kyle's <laughs> transported back to the 80s. No, make it stop. I can't help it. I can't help it. We got to go back to the 80s sometimes. We're talking about a lot of 80s shit, like Escape from New York, Back to the Future. <laughs> All this shit. You know what else then- that was really big in the 80s, too, was, uh, I don't know if you remember this little franchise called G.I. Joe. Yeah, although something a little more near and dear to my heart is those fan-made PSAs. <laughs> those all- are awesome. My favorite so far that's come out of the, the G.I. Joe verse is the t-shirt with knowing it's half the battle and then the other half being blue and red lasers. That is my favorite trope, my favorite meme from G.I. Joe, hands down. <laughs> yeah, so those those uh, the big movie versions with The Rock and Bruce Willis and everything um, – they, despite their universal hatred from critics and fans alike, they make money. And I guess that's the bottom line. I guess that's the, the entire reason a, a three would even exist. The last film grossed $372 million worldwide. That's a lot of cash. I guess it is. I don't know what their uh, production and advertising budget was, but you know, you're making money if you're talking about there's going to be a third G.I. Joe movie. Yes, kids. Uh, along with the new Transformers. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, the horrible just keeps coming. But as you said, they make money. People will go and, and, and they just want to turn their mind off and then they're going to complain about it. Now, 
we've often said, even in our old incarnation of this podcast, that it's like, if you want Hollywood to stop making crap films, stop going to crap films. But it becomes this interesting conundrum because people do like to see train wrecks. Um, I'm not so sure. I like to throw $20 to see a train wreck now that, you know, the rising ticket prices and whatnot. But I know a lot of people still are willing to do that. It's pretty weird. I mean, these films are pretty universally panned. But, you know, again, when your last iteration takes in $372 million worldwide, it's not too bad. Uh, Deadline's reporting that DJ Caruso is in the running to direct this, and he's currently finishing up The Disappointment Room with Kate Beckinsale and Lucas Till. Um, As some commenters have stated in this io9 post, uh, The Disappointment Room may be a little foreboding. I keep wondering when they're going to just tap into more 80s franchises we've already seen like the smurfs and garfield gi joe and all that you know you got yeah ghostbusters is getting a the reboot thing god i'm kind of surprised there hasn't been a um thundercats reboot yet or voltron voltron on the heels of pacific rim could actually have something there it might it might open some new uh doors of possibility for uh some more anime adaptations. Not that that's a good idea, but <laughs> I mean it's it's still a valid one, still on the table, I suppose. I think that's where some of the eighties uh relaunches have failed. The the twenty one jump street and the Dukes of Hazard and, and things of that ilk. Uh, they went really cheesy, really campy, really over the top. I don't think it works in those scenarios. I think once you start introducing some of the larger-than-life giant combining robots and, and things of that nature and really go campy and over the top, you might have something. Again, uh, nobody in their right mind would take Pacific Rim seriously, but it, it's the best crappy movie or the crappiest best movie you've ever watched. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned Thundercats. There was a Thundercats reboot series that actually had good ratings, but it got yanked because the toys didn't sell. And well, I meant uh, more so like the the big screen, uh, yeah, adaptation. Thank God we we're not having that. Um, the small screen though, pretty cool. I guess one of the new episodes of the uh, the Star Wars CG series that's on one of the Disney channels right now. How's that for being a geek? I know all the titles and, and networks and shows. Star Wars Rebels on Disney Star XD. Wars Rebels on Disney XD, bringing in Billy D. Williams to uh, reassume his role as Lando Calrissian. I guess this takes hmm. place four years prior to Empire Strikes Back. So pretty interesting to bring Billy D. in with that character. Uh, as a lot of commenters have stated, and I'm going to jump on that ship and, as well and say, as long as we don't have a Han Solo, we're all right. I think it's pretty cool to bring uh, Lando in, but... Don't don't bring Han in four years uh, before this takes place. What's really interesting, though, is some people have speculated maybe Lando will be flying the Falcon. This might take place before Han wins it from him in that game. Yeah, that that did catch my eye. That's like, oh, wow, they brought back Billy D. Williams for this. That's cool. I watched the little featurette, and then, you know, his voice is still there. He sounds silky smooth, and I, I kind of want to drink a Colt 45. Kind of right there. You know, again, though, it, it is a little disconcerting because... Uh, as I stated last episode, it seems that this giant, vast universe is nothing more than the confines of your backyard because everybody knows everybody. Everybody's met everybody previously before their big screen introduction. So that's a little played out, in my opinion. You had some news on uh, the Lego Movie franchise, right? So Lego Movie 
was something that initially I heard about and was not interested in because I've never been into Legos and I didn't want to see it. I just thought, ah, it's just going to aim at kids, blah, 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 blah. But so many people came up to me after that. It's like, you got to see the Lego movie. It's like, I'm dude, I'm not into Legos. It's like, it doesn't matter. It's really legitimately funny. You got to see it. And I did. And I loved it. It was one of my favorite movies of 2014. Um, and of course, you know, it made a shit ton of cash. So obviously they're going to take it in some direction. I don't know if they're going to bring people back or not. Uh, what sort of scoop did you, did you, did you dig up on that? Well, they are working on a sequel. That much is, uh, absolutely for sure. I kind of like the direction that they're headed in with the sequel. They were speaking with the directors, uh, Chris Miller and Ford Lord, and uh, they kind of let a little bit spill for what to expect for the next one. They say, although they don't want to give any spoilers, um, they, they're really interested to see what happens to the boy at the end of the film, the one who's in the, the meta story of the film, when he's four years older. So what they're doing is the sequel is going to take place in real time, four years after the, the first Lego movie's been released, um, to see what he's like as an adolescent and how his worldviews changed. But also what I thought was pretty cool is that Emmett, I guess, had a very ex- ex- existential crisis having seen another dimension and he's kind of questioning his, the whole point of his existence. So I think that's a pretty cool uh, way to bring that into the sequel. What I didn't know is apparently they're really branching this whole thing out to their own big franchise. So on the heels of the sequel coming out, you're also going to have film adaptations for Lego Ninja go and the Lego Batman movie. Now Ninja go, I'm not really into that. Don't follow that. The Batman movie, however, that I think is going to be hilarious because I'm, as I'm sure you'll agree with Batman was absolutely the best comic relief for the Lego movie. And to have a film focused around him with that weird dynamic, the way they're portraying that character, I think it's something that's pretty cool. I can stand on its own for a couple hours. I meant to do like the, the his little theme song, like darkness, no parents. You know, I want to make that a ringtone. I, I got to do that. It's on my to-do list. Yeah. I think he, he really was the glue that stuck that film together and, I'm looking forward to it anyways. I'll be there too, man. I, I saw a Lego movie during its dollar theater run, and I kind of wish I did like pony up the money, see it in 3D and everything. I grabbed it on Blu-ray, of course, and I got the little special edition that had the little um, Morgan Freeman's character. It's got that, and it's got the really cool mask of uh, Chris Pratt and Emmett, sorry. Um, good stuff. Just, just good stuff. It's like, yeah, there, there's a handful of times where I go, all right, I got to just stop turning my nose up at things. I got to give them a chance. That's just one of those that had great reviews, great everything. And it, it speaks to people of all ages. I mean, obviously there's that, the, the jokes that are written in there, uh, for, for the Lego fans and all. And that's, that's, that's cool. That's great. It's clever. I just never was into Lego, but I remember that I think you said you or your wife are really into the Lego thing. My wife tremendously and um, my kids as a result. So that's pretty cool. I really think it brings out that holy, uh, the whole creative spark in somebody. So it's interesting to watch my kids in particular and, and what they come up with. Now, the Lego movie was actually a film that I saw theatrically. And as a lot of listeners know, I don't go to the theater very often. This really has to be something interesting to, to drag me out. But I did see the Lego movie theatrically. And I think what impressed me from Go was it looked truly like a stop motion film, not unlike something that you might find on YouTube done by somebody on a very amateur level. 
uh, that's not a critique of the film. I thought it was pretty cool to actually have it look like it was actual stop motion with real Legos. Now, recently, I, my, my heart was broken, dashed into a thousand pieces when I found a video on YouTube, and it's called Creating the Bricks, and it's posted by Warner Brothers Pictures, and it's a very, very brief um, a making of, making of a Lego movie, and I was so disheartened to find out that the whole thing was done in CG. There wasn't a single real Lego brick that was used in the production of the whole film. I mean, yeah, as they explained in the film, what they did is they... Uh, actually did model and introduce every single Lego brick that was ever created for every set ever. So when they built everything, they did, they did build them with CG renderings of correct Lego bricks, but the film was CG, all wireframe and skinned, and not a single real Lego was shot for the film. <laughs> no real people were harmed during the making of the film. Do you ever step on those things? They will go through your foot. That I do know. They are assassins, booby traps, work of the devil. Absolutely. <laughs> do your do your kids have a, a Lego fetish? They do, and uh, as most kids do, they leave them all over the place. And I've suffered many a laceration at two o'clock in the morning because the Lego bricks are all over the living room floor. Oh God! Yeah, I bypassed all that. My daughter had no interest in that. I guess I dodged a bullet. Transformers are worse. I'd rather step on Legos all day than a Transformer. For some reason, Transformers have really sharp points, and I've stepped on some mid-transformed Transformers, and holy fuck, that hurts. <laughs> you guys can tweet at us, you know. We're at BB Broadcast if you want to chime in. Any subjects, any questions, comments you want to contribute to the conversation or say, hey, you guys should talk about this. Doesn't matter, man. It's all good. And as I said, we record our shows on Tuesday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern, and we like to open up a live audio stream and a chat room so people can uh, can chime in and all that. Venom34 said, is there a Facebook page? Yes, there is. Just use the little search feature on Facebook. Facebook, uh, we do have uh, the Big Ball Broadcast page. And, um, yeah, we got to – I forgot how we were doing, how many likes we had. I don't have any stats handy. Unfortunately, I'd like to know how our podcast is doing. I'll have to ask Will Wilkins from NetHeads how we're doing. I was saying that in the chat earlier. I have no idea what our stats are on, on uh, Smodcast. I, I as well would love to know. Yeah. All I can do is see on my page. Let's see. We had three new likes this week. That's good. <laughs> We have over 1,100 likes on Facebook, which is a beautiful thing. Uh, creeping up on 400 on Twitter. I think that number should be a hell of a lot higher. So come on, people, subscribe. Absolutely. Now that especially, uh, thank you, Robert J., for those in the chat room, which are only a handful, facebook.com slash Broadcast. There you know. <laughs> That's our Facebook page. Yay. Yay, technology. Yay, social media. Some things I, I don't seek out online, and if they're not headlines that grab me, I don't read the, the articles. So um, a lot of things get by me, and I kind of find out a little bit afterwards. And the Smod father, as, as you so passionately refer to him as, Kevin Smith, founder of the Spine Network that we're, you're hearing us on, uh, he's been really busy. He just finished production today on his next feature film, uh, Yoga Hosers bankrolled from the money from Tusk and now taking this bankroll and going to be starting production really soon on Clerks 3. So he uh, pretty much confirmed that today via Twitter. 
what I wasn't aware of, um, my kids got Lego Batman three for Christmas and my son was playing the other day and Kevin Smith is a playable character in the game and it's his likeness and his voice. So kudos to the smart father. He's doing a pretty kick-ass job out there. Busy dude. Oh yeah. Yeah. Plus it's really interesting to see. He, he puts up, uh, shots on Instagram, uh, from the shoot of yoga hosers. Um, he's got his daughter and Johnny Depp's daughter who played convenience store clerks in Tusk. They're in this because it's like a, a Canada trilogy. Um, I guess they're the, the, the ties that, you know, the one linking thread between the three movies, I guess, and Johnny Depp's, uh, character. Um, and a Kyle TV underscore 67 in our chat says Kevin Smith without beard is spooky. That's what I was going to say is that he'll put up these pictures from the shoot and then he had to shave it for the yoga hosers thing. Um, yeah. If, if you're used to people with facial hair and then suddenly they don't have it, then you get things like those little, uh, viral videos where the, the dad and their, their, like their infant child is just like, Oh, yay. Hi, daddy. And then, you know, they, they, he shows his completely bald face and the kid freaks out crying and disturbed. I had a mishap, a grooming mishap a number of years ago. And I ended up having to shave off my entire beard as a result. And my wife came home and shrieked in terror because there was a stranger in the house. Dude, did you have, do you have photographic evidence of this? I don't. This was probably 10 years ago, and I've been really, really careful to maintain my beard ever since. <laughs> I talked about this before. I think even before we were podcasting in our, our old incarnation, it's like, dude, what would she do if you just cut your hair? Because you've got long hair. If she cut her hair, I'd probably pass out. I'd probably fall into a coma for a couple of years. <laughs> I don't think she really cares what happens with my head. If I would have <laughs> She'd accept that. I think it's more important for her that I keep the the hair on my chin than I do on my head. Oh, okay. Because I lost my hair. Uh, the bald spot first appeared at age 25. And uh, I was getting my hair done. And the person, you know, doing the haircut was just like, oh, there it is. I go, what? What are you talking about? Bald spot. Here's where it starts. This is the most common area at the top upper part of the head. You're going to get male pattern baldness. I'm like, oh, no. I never tried Rogaine, didn't deal with all that, but yeah. And then eventually I just embraced it. But you know how Facebook people throw up their, their throwback Thursday pictures, pictures from their high school years, college years. And, of course, a lot of people nowadays, we don't have as much follicles as we used to. And uh, the people that follow me through my voiceover career or people who, who follow the podcast or did a little digging and research on their host here, um, we'll look at those pictures and just be like, what's, who's that? That's like a skinny Jack Black. That's not you. That, that was creepy as fuck to see those pictures of you. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's me. It, it's me. I had the mullet of doom. That is, that is so, yeah. <laughs> I kind of miss it sometimes. I always said that during college in the early nineties that I look like a Mexican drug lord who just walked off the set of Miami Vice. I never thought of it that way, but now, yeah, I'd have to agree. Absolutely. Dude, I had the porn stash and I had the, you know, the business in front party in the rear going on. And then I'd wear a, a trench coat with the sleeves halfway up my arm rolled up. 
mullets man that's right and then one of my close friends kept drawing a caricature of me like a cartoon and he would always draw me with a cigarette and i've never smoked in my life he said you just look like you should be smoking i'm like okay i'll take it i'm not sure how one would interpret that you, you look like you should be a smoker uh. <laughs> <laughs> well i'm used to the whole face for radio thing but i don't know about that you look like you should be Ingesting carcinogens. Since this seems to be the flashback episode from hell, um, Rock Band. Do you remember that? You remember that game? Uh, yeah. I never owned it because I never have people over. <laughs> but I've, I've been at people's houses that do have Rock Band and it, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. I, I guess I just, I'm so narcissistic, narcissistic when it comes to rock band. I'm a musician. It's, it's what I do. It's how I earn a few bucks on the side. So, uh, I, I don't necessarily endorse the half-assed attempt at breaking into the music industry. But anyways, I digress. Um, I thought that was a franchise that was dead in the water. Nothing's happened with it for the last two years. And then we get news that they're actually dropping three new songs on the 360 and, um, PS3 system. No, no, not the P, not the Xbox One and the PS4. This is for the 360 and PS3. Um, but they, you have three new songs coming out on January 21st, being Arctic Monkeys' "Are You Mine," Avenged Seven's "Avenged Sevenfold," "Shepherd on Fire," and Foo Fighters' "Something for Nothing." Each track is going to be available in the U.S. for a dollar ninety nine and point nine nine UK buck forty nine euro. So uh, mark your calendars if that makes you excited for. Three new tracks dropping on Rock Band. That is January twenty, uh, January twenty first. Yes, uh, I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about anymore. It's, it's Rock Band. It's so confusing. <laughs> Almost two years later, here, here's three new songs. Yeah, when I when I played, it was fun because I've always been a drummer, and I know you play bass. But and ironically, we've never been in person to to jam out together. We need to change that, but. Anyway, um, you my, do appear on Perimeter of the Void track, so I do on your band Perimeter of the Void. You should, you guys should uh, should check that out. I provide some VO on a couple of tracks there, but like when I would play Rock Band, I would always drum a more intricate part than the song actually called for. So I always had a really really good score there. I'd screw up on the guitars and of course on the vocals because why would you want to actually sing? This should be the option that you don't have to do the vocals. You know, I, th I think that's like the one part nobody wants to do in that game. Although it seems the people that really want to do it are the people who shouldn't be doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, does it mean you're a musician if you have really good skills at rock band? No, no, <laughs> probably. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Some people are asking in the chat about, yeah, play some death metal, speed metal, all that stuff. I think that that Dragon Force song was like the fastest one on there. And of course, there's videos of some guys just mastered it and everything. It's like, okay, beyond getting a bunch of clicks on YouTube, what, what is it? What is it he's really going for? They had a thing a while back that Perimeter of the Void considered briefly where you could submit your songs and they would make them available as DLC to play along with. But uh, it was really ungodly priced. You, you'd have to have a tremendous fan base to consider doing something like that because you'd never make your initial uh, cost back. But I thought that was kind of an interesting take on it. 
I love to see them since they haven't done anything in almost two years and they're only releasing these three songs. Maybe it'd be cool at this time to introduce that to the indie scene and have the songs available for DLC. It's, it's, uh, it's been an interesting thing to see, uh, music fans exposed to bands that they didn't really know or care about before. You know, the Beatles rock band probably did introduce, you know, the video game generation of the, the younger ones. Probably it's like, who are these guys? They're pretty good. Or, or a lot of the songs, you know, like Nirvana, all the, all the, all the big hit songs from rock band. They come out and it's like, all right, well, and then it's a big, you know, lucrative deal. I'm sure for, for all these bands, if they say, Hey, we're going to license your song for this. I don't know what kind of numbers they're getting, but the band's probably going, all right, well, I'm not going to play it, but sure, you're going to throw me something with five, six zeros in it. I'm good. Yeah, absolutely. And I'd like to see some other, you know, uh, not so mainstream iterations, metal band and punk band and hardcore band. Yeah, someone in the chat was saying they were doing a Lamb of God song. It's like, is there a Lamb of God song on rock on rock band? Really? They're hipper than I thought. Okay. Might be one of those DLC deals I was talking about where you could pay to get your track up and then you make a percentage of the downloads. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm seeing in our chat here, Pantera, Ozzy, and Megadeth, they were first heard on the first Guitar Hero for, for that person there, Venom34. Wow, that that's funny. <laughs> I never thought of that before. I mean, I discovered Nightwish through an AMV, like an anime music video. And they're one of my favorite bands of all time now, but I don't ever think about music discovery through a video game. I discovered Britney Spears Toxic from rock bands, and that was a guilty pleasure for a little while in my life. <laughs> you heard here first. It's, it's recorded for um, all future embarrassment. There's the audio blackmail. Otherworld Steve liked Toxic by Britney Spears. I've listened and grooved to a lot worse. So <laughs> if that's the worst you got me saying, then I can live with that. Uh, Raritz Jess uh, says in our chat, did you see that picture of some girl that thought Kanye made Paul McCartney famous? All right. That was pretty damn funny. Uh, but from what I understand, the whole thing was just a troll from the get go. It wasn't for anybody to take seriously, but of course there are people that reacted seriously to it. So that's feeding the trolls kids. <laughs> I'm surprised that Kanye would do a duo with anybody because, you know, he thinks he's God. So it's like, who's this Paul McCartney dude? He's cashing checks at the bank, right? I'm still scratching my head that Paul McCartney did a song for Destiny. When you think musicians in this day and age, I don't think Paul McCartney is one of the top 50 to pop into your head. No. I have to laugh, though. I was um, checking out Blaster.com. I think that's Sci-Fi's website version. And uh, they talked about how this... um, this fan film called Dragon Ball Z Saiyan Saga got an impressive 8 million views back in 2012. And so the folks that uh, put that together called K&K Productions, they're trying to push to acquire an actual license to do a legit live action version. So they, they've got to do some convincing here um, from Toye, the parent company that put out Dragon Ball Z all those decades ago. And, um, you know, it's one thing to, to court the U.S. side of things and try to interest them. Funimation has the, you know, the anime rights. Live action rights was something that uh, was put to abysmal use with um, Fox putting out Dragon Ball Evolution uh, back in like 2009, 2010 or 2008. Um, and so these guys and gals want to put together 
another adaptation of Dragon Ball. Um, I guess when it got a lot of hits, but that that harkens back to movies doing well at the at um at the theater. In my opinion, you know, people will click to check it out. It doesn't mean that they liked what they saw. I can't see how it could be any worse than what Fox released. And it's funny because you always hear about these parent companies being so protective of their properties. And then you have these, these two big names, your toy and, and Fox coming together and, and releasing this film that was, as you said, abysmal. It was atrocious, widely uh, panned worldwide. Um, so, Part of me would love to say, yeah, so why not give some uh, amateurs, uh, you know, no disrespect, but you got to call it what it is, a chance to do something that a big studio couldn't. But when you don't have big studio backing, you don't have that, that kind of financing and, and political uh, hand greasing, I guess, it, it's got to be a very uphill battle, but more power to them. And I don't know if Kickstarter helps or something like that, but... Well, I'll throw a few bucks that way. Not a lot, <laughs> but a few bucks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know if, you know, it seems like crowdfunding is kind of the way to go for a lot of things. You know, some a lot of it just disappears, and that that part's disturbing. Like, when you throw money at a project, and then they just walk off with your cash, and then the project never, nothing ever comes of it. It's like, oh, yeah, we made we raised $300,000 on this thing. It's like, really? Okay, and what are you going to do with it? Where's my premiums? Where, where's everything you said I'd get? Um, you know, some some Hollywood oomph. You know, even though that looks like a, a good distribution model or or way to raise funds for financing and everything. You know, it worked for Veronica Mars. It worked for Zach Braff to fund his film. Um, but I wonder if they wouldn't have to somehow court the eyes and ears of some sort of celebrity to have their involvement to make people a little more uh, willing to throw money at that sort of thing. I think in this day and age, yes. And and unfortunately I think that's what has the potential to kind of hurt it. I think what you and I dug about star Wars initially was to us at the time in 77, these were nobodies and uh, it was kind of impressive. I think the whole, uh, original trilogy where you didn't see a lot of those well-known faces uh, that Hollywood courting, as, as you call it, um, didn't really exist. Nowadays, it seems everything, and I know one of the beans of your existence is having to have those names attached to animated projects, just to have that voice and that, that name attached to it. As you said before, the kids don't know who the hell that person is, but oh by God, Hollywood does, and that helps the court to court to get that project done. Yeah, because they're thinking the parents are the ones that pay for those uh, movie tickets for their families to go see the animated films. So it's like, if we're going to keep the grown-ups interested, we have to keep their ears open by casting someone that, that they recognize. Maybe that's where it's coming from. But everyone that I talk to, they want to see a movie, and they don't care about star power. They care about stories and characters. But it's almost... Uh... As I said earlier, we're proven otherwise because people still spend money and the studios still make tons of money on this track and then they make sequels and prequels and turn them into giant franchises that can't be stopped. So, yeah, while that's going on, the future looks pretty dismal. Yay for the outlook from Otherworld, Steve. Yeah, but if uh, if K&K Productions uh, can can at least turn the heads and get a studio meeting with Toye, that, that kind of is unprecedented. I'm sure there's been many 
you know, fan movements to do this and that and the other, but it's usually in terms of, you know, yeah, we're going to make a fan dub or do a, a, a one shot thing for YouTube. These guys want to take things to the next level and say, Hey, can we erase the bad taste that Dragon Ball Evolution made and, and do something that's actually faithful to the original show? Which is, you know, that's a noble sentiment. That's, that's really nice. I'm still of the ilk that believes that anime should remain anime and you don't need to be doing things like Ghost in the Shell, given the track record of things like Dragon Ball, Speed Racer, you know, things like that. I still haven't seen Speed Racer. Um, but I, I'm listening to what you're saying and I'm trying to think in the back of my head. Has there been a good adaptation from, from, not from comics, obviously, there have been, but from other cartoon franchises or anime or video games. I, I can't think of really any good adaptations. There's some that got, you know, you know, camp value, I suppose. Some people say the Roroni Kenshin live action film is good. Um, I don't know. There's a, there's an attack on Titan live action film coming out soon. Um, I don't know. I mean, they're still trying because there's still interest, but I'm not, I'm, I still go back to that sentiment. of like, yeah, people will throw cash at it because they want, they're curious to see how bad it's going to end up. I'm watching the trailer here. Somebody posted in the chat, the, uh, Frieza trailer for the live action Dragon Ball Z. And if this is what they're bringing to the table, they, they, might get some attention. It certainly looks heads and shoulders above what Fox released. And this is done on a, a tight budget on a somewhat amateur level. So yeah, maybe I will throw a few more bucks if they do kickstart this thing. Hmm. Yeah. I, I'd like to see if it did get the attention of, of toy or even a Toriyama. It's like, will you comment on this? And you know, I don't know if he'll even acknowledge it or, or say, oh, that's really cool, and the fans are awesome. I'm glad they take things in their own hands. Toriyama, I think, is kind of, uh, he's settling into the, the George Lucas personality now. He's older in life, and he knows he has this tremendous property. So, you know, we had Battle of Gods come out last year. We have another one coming out, I believe, next year, uh, involving the resurrection of Frieza with the Dragon Balls. And it's just interesting to see, all of a sudden, this kind of late-in-life effort to just pump out a, a lot of a lot more Dragon Ball Z. It, it's all just to change, to change, to change, to change. I mean, so far it hasn't been too bad. There's a lot of parts of Battle of Gods I just thought were ridiculous and won't get into now because we won't have enough time. That'd be a show into itself for me to pick apart Battle of Gods. <laughs> <laughs> but it's making money, and and you got uh, U.S. theatrical premieres and everything, and so I guess we're gonna have that for a little while. I hope it doesn't really camp out and, and peter out like the, the prequels did from Lucas. But yeah, uh, this late in life revival kind of weird. Yeah. Uh, the last thing that I wanted to talk about on this episode, I, I you know, normally we're not going to touch politics here because honestly we're geeks. We don't give a shit and we don't want to start pushing buttons about this side, that side and all that, and the other, but I thought this was an interesting headline. It says Obama to push for cheaper, speedier broadband in the U S this is from the verge.com. Um, it's interesting that you have cities, according to this, this, this infographic here, some, a handful of U.S. cities have internet download speeds that are equivalent to, to cities abroad, like Tokyo, Paris, Hong Kong, Seoul, South Korea. Uh, they all have upwards of a thousand, uh, megabits per second, um, download speed. 
And you got cities like Cedar Falls, Iowa, Kansas City, Chattanooga. They're all equal to those international cities. But, but major hubs like LA, New York, DC, they're anywhere to, you know, in the 500 range instead of a thousand. So they're half as fast. You go down to San Francisco. This infographic here says it's 200 megabits per second. I don't know what's up with the U.S. having, you know, piss poor internet speed, but if it takes a, a presidential act, a, an act of government to, to start speeding things up, you know, let, let's do it already and let's bring that cost down too. I had to chuckle because you said active government and speeding things up in the same sentence. I know, I know, right? I yeah. think it's a great sentiment, but I think, you know, God willing, when we're, when we're doing this podcast five years from now, we're going to be talking about, you know, whether or not they're still working on this. Yeah, it's hard. It's, <laughs> I mean, I kind of want to go abroad just to see what it's like to have uh, an internet that fast. Uh, anyone who's in a city with Google Fiber knows this first and foremost. And, you know, everyone that, I mean, th those are just test markets with Google Fiber. And apparently it's just a handful of cities with things that, that, that go that fast. But most of us, uh, we're slaves to those, those big companies, Verizon, AT&T and whatnot. And the whole argument and controversy about net neutrality. I don't get it. You would think that the government would have a best interest to do it because then the NSA and FBI could spy on us at faster speeds. Well, yeah. Yeah. They could spy on us in faster speeds. And I don't know. It's, wasn't that funny with the whole inter the, the internet going down in, in, in Korea? After the whole interview debacle and the Sony hacking, you know, in this day and age, it, it, you can't really even blame politics at this point. You can just get a bunch of rogue hackers together, and they can kind of do whatever the fuck they want. And that's what makes it like more scary. Groups like Anonymous or whatever. There's no politics per se. No, no nationally recognized politics behind their motives and what they do, but. I mean, they could take down major corporations. They take down government websites all the time. It's, uh, it's a little frightening, frankly, that there are people out there with abilities that could just really, really, really make things fucking miserable for you should they choose. <laughs> I'm going to clog up your internet so you can't download porn. And then you have uh, swatting. Have you heard of swatting? Uh, is that where... Someone um, calls the SWAT team to a house, just like a prank call, basically. It's exactly what it is, and that is scary as fuck. And, and there's a couple of videos on YouTube of people who have been swatted. Um, they they tend to like to swat people that are live streaming their gameplay, and a lot of times they have the webcam on themselves as, as well as displaying on the screen what they're playing. So you actually get to see these SWAT entrance, entrances and everything, and. Uh, <laughs> It's ridiculous. It's scary as fuck. And and yeah, you know, that's that's the state of technology nowadays. Having your life just ruined and all your personal data exposed should you piss off this one niche group online. Yeah. So store all your nudes in the cloud and uh everything <laughs> will be great. And then if this this thing actually passes, this uh this article says uh the White House is going to plan to file a letter with the FCC to end restrictions in 19 states that it believes are holding back broadband advances. That's interesting. They think the states are holding it back, not the, the big cellular companies. 
I'm probably in one of those states. I'm a Comcast customer, and I, I think they were voted the uh, most liked company by their consumers for 2014. So, yeah, they're probably throttling. Um, I think there's a lot of companies out there that are throttling, and uh, it might be good to get these really, really high speeds, but my question is, are they going to come at really, really high costs? Yeah, that's the other thing. If they can, if they can actually push this act through or this initiative through, yeah, uh, let's bring the cost down and bring the speed up. I mean, I'm all for that, but as you said, you know, if this is going through a government thing, that's going to take for fucking ever. And as we talk about constantly on the show, if the cable companies are losing a lot of money because people are cutting the cord and they're moving over to their wireless devices to watch television on, is this how they're going to subsidize that loss? Ooh, man. Crazy. Well, um, I don't know. You got anything else you want to talk about tonight? I honestly have nothing else. I'm, I'm trying to scour the cobweb infested regions of my skull, but keep drawing <laughs> blanks. <laughs> we're drawing blanks. We're shooting blanks. But uh, the new Avengers trailer, uh, people want to know our, our take on that. Um, I like it a lot. It looks really good. I know that, Steve, you're saying you're a little soured on your excitement because you read a spoiler. But uh, <laughs> the action still looks great. It looks phenomenal. I, I'm I'm so sold on this just because it's it's every little boy's comic reading adventures come to life. If nothing to see uh, that that extended footage of the Hulkbuster fighting the Hulk, and uh, I, I laugh and I'm surprised it's not memed all over the place already. The the shot of the Hulk with the red puffy eyes. I, I'm waiting for a Hulk looking for Doritos. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, there's going to be all these crass marketing, corporate tie-ins, and merch you can go buy. But yeah, I, I totally yeah. dug the trailer. I thought it was awesome and uh, get to see a little bit more of Scarlet Witch. No more of Quicksilver, which I was kind of surprised of. But um, yeah, in terms of ang- action, I think it really ramped shit up. And I think it's awesome that that very brief scene of Thor just snatching up uh, Stark by the throat. That That's a great setup for Civil War. Yeah. Uh, Kyle TV 67 says Hulk Locos tacos. I'm all for that. Give me a Hulk size Locos tacos. I, I'm addicted to that shit. So you ever the optimist, what was your take on watching that trailer? The ever optimist. Yeah. Well, I like you are really digging the Marvel cinematic universe. So I'm, I'm super excited, especially after things ramped up this year with, um, with uh winter soldier. And I know guardians has no ties to that, but I think in terms of just overall, uh, you know, seeing the commitment from the Marvel cinematic team, writers, producers, creators, and everything. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a, a great time at the movies. It's still not going to make me want to read Iron Man as a comic or, or Thor or, or any of the individual comics, but I'm totally behind the movie vision. Absolutely. And I think it's great in this day and age. We can have our cake and eat it too. If you're enjoying the cin- cinematic universe, you can indulge in that because there's certainly a lot coming. And if you want to get into the, the details, the, the wider spread and get into the books, I, it's got to be tough for a lot of people. You know, when you look at the history of characters like Spider-Man that originated in 1963, I think sometimes people get intimidated. How much do I need to know about this character? And you can kind of go down that rabbit hole. One thing I just thought of before we started recording, I watched a video on, on uh, IGN with Todd McFarlane 
And it was interesting on two counts. And the first is Spawn still running, <laughs> which I think is kind of funny because I thought Spawn petered out a long time ago. Uh, McFarland had nothing to do with the book for years, mm-hmm. either uh, writing or drawing. But um, Spawn's still going, apparently. And they're doing a big 250th issue, big uh, hullabaloo. And what was interesting, what McFarlane noted was the longest running independent comic book was Cerberus, and it went for 300 issues. So he wants to be the, the one to snatch that title and, and have the longest running independently distributed comic book in history with Spawn. So as long as he can get to 301, you know, he'll be happy with that. But was, what was also interesting is that they're doing another Spawn animated series so much so that they've already recorded a lot of the dialogue for the show, et cetera, et cetera. And he says, the only holdback right now is looking for the right studio to distribute this. Uh, and it's not going to be an origin. It's not going to be a reboot. They're going to kind of nod and wink to an, <clears throat> excuse me, acknowledge that the HBO series existed. So it's kind of going to pick up from there. And I thought that was kind of cool. That's cool. I enjoyed the Spawn series. Did not like the live action movie. Um, gave up on the comic book many, 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 many years ago. I, I, whenever I did go to a comic book store through the years, I'd be like, wow, Spawn's still going on? Oh, yeah, and uh, this is important, too. This was just mentioned in the chat by Kyle TV 67 Deadpool's getting killed off in the Marvel Universe. Um, some speculating this is the, all the retribution that uh, Marvel's putting on to Sony and their properties. Um not Sony, with Fox, I'm sorry, uh, canceling Fantastic Four and now canceling Deadpool because of the Deadpool movie coming out. So there's that. Of course, in the, the comic universe, no characters ever stay dead, uh, except, you know, the, the rule used to be except Bucky and Uncle Ben, and then, of course, fucking Bucky came back. But I like the Winter Soldier. I digress again. But, um, yeah, what do you think about that with them killing off Deadpool and, and perhaps retribution for Fox releasing horrible movies? <laughs> I don't think he'll stay dead. It's a comic book character. I mean, when you got the same healing powers as Wolverine, I mean, even if you decapitate him, right? <laughs> what is he going to do? Grow a body back? But, you know, at the same time, they're, they're canceling any Deadpool-related titles, and artists and writers are barred from using Deadpool as a character, so... Huh. Go fuck you to Fox. <laughs> just, just ever so slightly? I don't know. I mean, I'm looking forward to the movie. I wanted it to be done instead of Green Lantern. I think we'd be in a different place right now. Maybe, well, I don't know if, if how, how gritty or, or, or whatnot it is. Um, because it does fall as it is a Marvel movie, but I don't know if the Disney fan friendly, uh, family friendly rather cinematic universe wants to incorporate that whole thing or would it have ever even been a possibility? Regardless, no matter what, the next few years we're in for a fantastic ride. I hope the bubble doesn't burst too quick, but on, on both sides with Marvel and DC, Warner Brothers and, and uh, Disney running the show for the interim, it's going to be a wild ride. With that being said, I think it's time to uh, put the kibosh on this episode right here, the Big Bob Broadcast. Thanks to folks in the chat room for joining us tonight. Kyle TV underscore 67, Robert J, Venom 34, X, Rar, it's Jess, and everyone else who's kind of casually come in and out. Thanks for subscribing. Thanks for downloading. Thanks for streaming. We'll do it again next week. And until then, this is Kyle Bear, And this is Other World Steve. See ya. 
Special thanks to Will Wilkins and Jason Pierre. Music provided by iShine, Perimeter of the Void, and Zero Reynolds. Follow us on Twitter at BB Broadcast and email thebigballbroadcast at gmail.com. Smod Pods continue to pack live shows in 2015. Don't miss Kevin Ralph for Hollywood Babylon at the Hollywood Improv every Friday. Kevin Andy makes minds mighty with edumacation at the Ice House in Pasadena on January 31st. Looking ahead to February, Jason Muse hits Wizard World Madison Comic Con February 6th through 8th. Ice House in Pasadena hosts Jay and Silent Bob Get Old on the 28th. Kev goes solo at the Tempe Improv on March 14th, followed with Jay and Bob Get Old. Why Bry heads to Florida in April. Fort Lauderdale Improv on April 17th, Palm Beach Improv on the 18th, and Orlando Improv on the 19th. Kev does an evening with in Fort Lauderdale as well on the 17th, and then West Palm Beach on the 18th. Cough up a little cash to see your favorite purveyors of free funny on Sir as they hit the road, coming soon to a con or comedy club near you. Tickets for these and all Smodco shows are at csmod.com. This has been a production of Smodco Internet Radio. Sir, only at smodcast.com.